Now here's a highlight from Coast to Coast AM on iHeartRadio. Welcome back to Coast to Coast. George Nori with you along with Bill Friedman. So, Bill, did the mob dump people in the desert or not? No, um, because of the group of people who came here to give a clear perspective of the way I, the world I lived in, Vegas had a high rate of street crime, something totally different. When it came to the casinos and organized crime, the people that were here were very anti-violent. Right. They only killed if threatened, and I cannot state strongly enough, these were tough guys. Big hearts, but if you threatened them... Or got in their way. No, see, that they didn't do. Really? Yeah, they never... There's but but no the movies tell us that, Bill. The movies have that happen. <laughs> I know. But the, no, I'm talking about this group. They never um, uh, made a victim out of anybody. They didn't do anything the casinos aren't doing today. They did booze, gambling, cigarettes. And, and that, that was the extent of anything they did. So, and they didn't believe in violence. They, I lived in a completely nonviolent, non-threatening world Gambling was legalized 90 years ago. There has never been anybody in the casino leadership or organized crime killed in the state of Nevada in 90 years. Five people associated with the industry were killed out of state. None of them had anything to do with what was going on here. And uh, there is nobody in the desert. There's nobody missing. Uh, we'd have a record of anybody missing. People have uh, fellow workers. They have parents. They have children. They have spouses. Nobody's missing. What about the guy who had a, a big marker? Um, Benny Binion, uh, who was one of the great casino operators, he was number one in downtown Las Vegas. He told me one time, and he was tried for murder twice back in Dallas. And he told me one time, I didn't bring it up, he did. He said, one thing I want you to know. You don't hurt somebody because they don't pay their credit. Our goal is to take all the money someone has. When they have no more money and they've done everything we want, how can anybody go and hurt them? That has to be the most awful, insane, crazy thing to do. You believe the guy? Oh, I know. I know. He, he was literally like a daddy to me. This guy protected. Mo Dalitz and Benny Binion had the word out that nobody from organized crime comes into Las Vegas and pushes anyone around. And anyone went to either one, the person either left town or they completely behaved and nothing like the movies where they give people dirty looks. The few I heard of that stayed, they behaved themselves. This was the reality. That's what's so amazing. But they didn't have Jimmy two times on payroll to bump off people? They all would defend themselves. Um, When I said, how did this... uh, uh, Convention salesman know everything. He was um, uh, Moe's enforcer. That's what he told me that day. All this came out of the blue. But 
They only reacted if threatened. Every one of these key people had horrible things done to them. If it was going to continue, they'd kill them. If it was over, no matter how offended they were, it was over. Uh, let me give you, and I can give you example after example, but we'll take Frank Costello. He was once the boss of bosses of America's Mafia. He built the Tropicana Hotel on the Strip as a hidden interest. It was his. And he was out of New York, right? Yes. He was one of the two gangs in Manhattan. Siegel was with one, and Costello was with the other. One night, Costello walked into... Uh, he had the most expensive place in New York, probably the world for that reason. And he walked into the lobby, and a guy came out from behind a post, and he fired a gun right at his head. And it's just one of those miraculous things. It was at a he was in front of him, but at a very slight angle, and it just bounced off his head. But Costello fell bleeding. The guy ran. Everyone thought Costello was dead. Uh, they put a Band-Aid on it and said, you're going to have a headache and ringing in your ears for a while, but you're going to be fine. Jeez. The police figured out who did it, took the guy uh, and tried him. Costello uh, said, I didn't see the guy. I have no idea. The medical examiner testified he had to have seen him. He was right in front of him. Uh, when he finished, uh, he absolutely would not testify against the guy. When he finished testifying, Costello, and was walking out of the court area, the uh, shooter uh, called out, thank you, Frank. Now, uh, a while later, he invites this guy to dinner with his wife and children to say, you behave yourself, you don't come after me again, this is over. The man who ordered it that wanted to become boss of bosses went to prison. His wow. attorney called up, or the warden called up Costello's attorney. This is the guy that, except for a miracle, would have killed him. Didn't he get bumped off eventually, Costello? No. All, mm -hmm. everybody, but, but everybody in this group, except for Siegel, died of old age. Uh, they they didn't get involved in this stuff. Why did they bump off Bugsy? Uh, that one will be in my next book. But let me finish what, <laughs> just to show you what Costello did. They said, people, everybody in this prison is planning to kill this guy because they have so much respect for Costello. We've got people here plotting to kill him who've never met Costello, but he's a hero in their eyes. He said, if Costello doesn't do something... Costello drove uh, a few hours to the prison, met with him in a private room, said, you know, said, all this stops, etc., and uh, put out word, come in with a camera, and the two of them stood together smiling for the camera. Jeez. He gave the uh, camera to the warden. He said, when you develop that film, he said, put it on your message board. Once they see we're friends, it will be over. And the warden uh, said from an hour after that picture went up, there was no more talk about killing this guy. Yeah, that much part. Now, let me ask you a couple of Vegas questions. Did you ever see Sinatra, Sammy Davis Jr., and Dean Martin in uh, person, live? 
I saw all of them many times, but never together as the Rat Pack. But they brought them into Vegas, didn't they? Oh, yeah. They brought the crowds in. Oh, yes. Uh, Sammy Davis was one of the biggest draws ever, wherever he appeared. Uh, At the Copacabana, he ended up with the record crowd, and that was the most famous nightclub in America. Dean Martin was the biggest draw in Las Vegas um, in two ways. One, he drew the biggest audiences, and two, uh, he drew the most high rollers. But the man he followed was a unbelievable comedian by the name of Joey Lewis. He was number one in America, nightclubs, his whole life. When he retired with a stroke, Dean Martin took his place as number one. Two years later, he lost being the biggest draw because the young man by the name of Elvis Presley. That's right. Wasn't Joey Lewis, wasn't he slashed up by the mob? Oh. They cut his throat or something, didn't they? the most horrendous beating he he couldn't he didn't know language um he uh they uh, beat his head and cracked his skull with a um a pistol all because he wouldn't go to work for the mob owned club right yeah. and uh it it was machine gun mcgurn that did that in Chicago, and they slit his throat his vocal cord he was jewish but he sang these gorgeous uh, irish songs and he could no longer sing those they slit his face he had a big scar and he couldn't move his face and it took him years and years of the hardest work to come back to be able to entertain an audience and i saw him uh when i first time when i was 12 and of course on television back then they had all the variety shows so i saw all the great entertainers and he was the greatest so he was number one when he quit Dean Martin became number Popped one up. as the draw. Which and, took. But st- Dean Martin, the rest of his career, when it came to high rollers, he was the guy that the wealthy people went to see. Sinatra played Joey Lewis in the movie The Joker's Wild. Yeah, but he didn't play. It was sad because it wasn't the real Joey Lewis. In the movie, he's sad and beaten and, and everything. The... Everybody that knew him said he never said a bad word about anybody. Uh, his wife said he never learned how uh, to be... Um, you mean uh, he, even after they sliced him up? Oh, he was the most lovable, nice man. He was unbelievable. Uh, and uh, he, uh, he never told anybody. No one knew it until he died. But he collected more money. He did more. The roast. Remember the roast Dean Martin did? Oh, yeah. Great TV he was shows. Copying Joey Lewis. He started the roast at the Friars Club. He did roasts all the time. He raised more money for charity than anyone had ever done and gave this all away. The number of people he took care of after he died, what I put together, and it's all in my book. And uh, and he never talked about it. He didn't want anyone to know it. He All he cared about was making people happy and taking care of the needy. Did you ever meet Don Rickles? Uh, that was a very bad experience. Really? 
I was front and center with a girl I met that night. And he, we were watching another show. He came out, and as he came out, I thought, this is bad. I'm too close. Uh-oh. He invited Uh-oh. me up on stage. Uh-oh. And he started to fill me up and said, I'm lonely. I shoved him away. Uh, I went running and be, through and the be, be careful what you say on the air here, Billy. Oh, no. I, uh. I just, I got away. That, that was his whole shtick. But I, it was really shocking to have this guy grab me. And I run away, and I'm looking at this girl, me running from this guy, and I thought he's ruined my whole night. I wanted to punch him out. <laughs> he, Rickles loved pointing people out in the audience and ridiculing them. That was his whole thing. Yeah, and he did it in a way that it didn't offend. I mean, if you were to ins- truly insult someone, I wouldn't want to be there. He had a style about him that he got away with it. I mean, uh, he was he was a sensational entertainer. We didn't talk yet about Lucky Luciano in Vegas. Uh, he was part of the Bugsy group, right? Or Bugsy was part of his group. Yeah. There was five partners that were far and away number one in Prohibition. And Luciano, they were equal partners, but Luciano was the guy, uh, not because he was tough, he was a man that just literally commanded respect. When he spoke, he was a very quiet man. I'm not kidding you. The bankers of America listened when he talked about finance. They deported him, though, didn't they? Oh, yes. And it was on a frame. But he, he was the most powerful man, and he, he never showed up in Vegas. They deported him before. But everybody I knew and everybody I talked to, they were associated, and it was his values. And he was the one that, that uh, uh, no violence, no drugs. Uh, the mafia didn't touch drugs all those years that he and Costello, the 25 years they were boss of bosses. The violence disappeared. You go across America, there's practically no violence between mafia gangs. A lot before them and a lot after. Um, Capone changed that, didn't he? Well, what happened... And this brings us back to Vegas. Capone was one of the most awful, violent people there were. Yep. But he loved these three gangs. And he backed them in both the underworld and overworld, and he partnered with them, and they kept partnering after he was gone from Chicago. They had the opposite values, and they got along. When, when the um, St. Valentine's Day Massacre occurred, um... What happened was... Seven people shot to death, I think. Shot right? to death, yeah. yeah. And, and some completely innocent. And, uh, it was a terrible thing. They, they just walked in with two machine guns and shot seven people. D- dressed, dressed up as cops, weren't they? Yep. yep. And, and they were driving what appeared to be a cop car. It was not a real one, uh, but it was a perfect duplicate. They found it later. But the thing was... That I'll give you the background because this is an incredible thing, and it shows you where the people I was associated with come from. Luciano became the lieutenant to the biggest mafia gang in the country because there was five of them in New York, and because they wanted to sell booze everywhere, and so they offered him a piece. And he and Costello and all these people joined the group, and he was the lieutenant. 
They were so upset over that massacre that he called the only meeting in the history of America of all gang leaders of all nationalities, and he's a lieutenant, not the leader. Mm. They called it in New York, and a comedy was made about it called Some Like It Hot. I'm sorry, in New Jersey, in Atlantic. I remember that movie title. And they called the meeting, and Capone didn't know what was coming. And at that meeting, they thought it was, you know, to, to work together. And Luciano said to Capone, with all these guys there, Capone couldn't get away. He said, we are the heroes of America. We are supplying a great demand. The people love us. You single-handedly are turning the public, the politicians, and the police against us. We're all going to go to jail and lose everything if you don't stop the violence. This cannot go on. He was right. Sitting in front of him was Luciano, the head of his gang, Costello, the head of his gang, and Mo Dalitz. And it was a bit Dalitz, being in the Midwest, would have been the person called upon to take out Capone. And he said, you have to stop this. He said, I will. They said, you have to give us something tangible to show us. He said, I will. He drove 60 miles from there to Philadelphia, went up to two detectives who we know he knew. He picked a handgun out of his pocket, handed it to him. He says, I'm carrying an illegal weapon. It was a $300 fine in Philadelphia. Within five hours, in the middle of the night, a judge sent him to jail for a year, and all the violence in Chicago stopped. Wow. Listen to more Coast to Coast AM every weeknight at 1 a.m. Eastern, and go to coasttocoastam.com for more.